0: Our uh, passage is the same as last week's, it's our key verses, uh, Colossians 1, 28 to 29. We've been going through the first chapter of Paul's letter to the church in Colossae the past numerous weeks. We finally landed uh, on our church key verses located in 28 and 29. Last Sunday we looked at, focused on verse 28. And by way of quick review, we tried to elucidate the keys to the key. Uh, these little keys or, or driving pins, if you recall, the a lock illustration, are laid out by Paul in verse 28, namely proclaiming Christ, teaching, admonishing everyone, and then presenting everyone perfect or mature. So I kind of said PTA, right? Uh, proclaiming, teaching, admonishing, and then multiplication, so PTA, I mean Christ. Um, I hope this has stirred your imagination as well as your spiritual fervor. This past week and will continue to enliven our community of faith this year and beyond. Today we tackle verse 29, wherein Paul describes um, the energy and strength. Energy and strength. Supernatural, it turns out, that drives this project forward. Uh, today's sermon title is Spiritual Fusion Energy. Uh, I adapted it from the term nuclear fusion energy. Nuclear fusion energy, uh, which refers to the creation of energy when two atoms are recombined into a heavier atom with the result being surplus energy Uh, it's been in the news lately actually there's been some articles written uh, a bit more on that uh, later on in the message i think these days um, we're all walking around with very low energy uh, at least compared to pre-pandemic covid has taken quite the toll quite the big toll um, At a recent NYU uh, spiritual life advisor Zoom uh, that I was on, a recently installed um, dean of students was asked what kind of big stroke observations about the pandemic's impact on the university community uh, had he uh, discerned. Kind of expectantly, but um, somewhat pithily, He remarked that one observation that he saw was that everyone was disconnected and exhausted. Disconnected and exhausted. Um, That seems to resonate everywhere. Right? Across the board, um, in schools, in families, communities, in workplaces, in churches, in organizations, um, in friendships, In personal life, we feel, I feel, maybe you feel, disconnected and exhausted. Uh, So I find Paul's description here in verse 29 helpful and hopeful. Not only as we navigate a new stage, hopefully end stage, of the pandemic, but also, as we remind ourselves um, of the key to Paul's exhortation in chapter one of Colossians, he wants to see Christ in me, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if you're anything like me, this PTAMM PTAM is both kind of captivating. It's like, hey, this is a great uh, journey, this is a great call. Um, but it's also daunting. Right? If I said, look. Up kind of upon the landscape these days. Proclaiming Christ in a spiritually hostile world, um, especially these days, kind of muddied, I think, by, in my opinion, with, by Christian, Christian nationalism. It's, it's tough, it's no easy feat to proclaim Christ. Teaching and admonishing folk, who for the most part already feel heavily self-informed and opinionated to the teeth. Why would I want to teach proclaim, admo- teach, and admonish such people? I'd rather just be quiet and just do my own thing. Right? Everyone is calcified. Everyone is recalcitrant. Everyone wants to tell you what... They want to teach and admonish you. There's no willingness, uh, not much willingness. And then multiplication. It just seems uh, to be of a different order these days. Uh, even committed folk uh, in the church seems to have less and less attention or or, or availability to multiply disciples, right? As one person said, I'm in survival mode. I don't have time to multiply disciples. Um, Against these obstacles, Paul's to this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. So welcome and intriguing confession uh, from my title then i 'm going to try to just organize the remainder of the message in the following way: just straightforward: spiritual versus uh, what I call synthetic so spiritual versus man hum- human uh, driven fusion bringing together versus separation, dividing, and then energy versus uh, lethargy. I just picked that uh, term right so yeah, I introduced those terms as contrast, but uh, I hope to be, like last week straightforward in terms of how to understand or explain these. But before we jump in, um, let me talk a little bit about my main metaphor, uh, nuclear <laughs> fusion energy, right? Um, nuclear fusion reactions like power the sun and other stars. Um, in a fusion reaction, two light nuclei merge to form a single, heavier nucleus. And the process releases energy because the total mass of the resulting single nucleus is less than the mass of the two original nuclei. Um, The leftover mass becomes energy. So for instance, if you combine deuterium and tritium, you produce a helium with an extra neutron. Is that right, our PhD scientists out there? Okay. If you have a problem, check out Wikipedia, because that's where I got it, right? And scientists were able to um, develop a way to harness that energy from fusion into machines. It's believed to be important, very important, cheap, right, because there's like deuterium, I think, is all over is in, in the ocean, a complete, completely clean. So we're, we're talking about climate change, in, in environmentally clean energy, almost limitless as a method of energy production. But the main problem is that no one has found a way to of making fusion reactors produce more energy than they consume to run. So you need like 150 million degrees Celsius. Think about the sun, right, to carry out fusion. But just last week, the joint European Taurus Consortium, using a donut-shaped machine called a Tokamak, broke the previous record of power production by almost a factor of two. They were able to Produce an output of twelve megawatts for about five seconds um, and this is sufficient to power a house like right? a house's energy for one day. so if this output could be generated uh repeatedly, thousands of houses could be powered and and so these j e t results uh joint european torus um, uh, are considered impressive right and hopeful so okay like you really enjoy that explanation. Joint, I want to talk about nuclear fusion energy and kind of analogize it to my spiritual right, fusion energy. In terms of benefits, there's a, there's a good correlation. Completely clean, right, holy? Uh, cheap or free, right? Although uh, monetarily free, uh, but it has costs in other way. And limitless, limitless, right? Because it it's generated, it's sources from our infinite God. So how do we overcome spiritual lethargy? How do we keep steady at PTAM? How do we share in Paul's testimony of experiencing uh, God's powerful energy working within him? Uh, so let's get at it, try to get at it through our three areas. Okay, first, I want to say that this energy is ultimately spiritual. Right? Spiritual fusion is spiritual In nature. And I want to contrast it with, you know, human made, human derived, human driven power. I labeled it spiritual, but perhaps more precisely, we should call it divine. The source of power that Paul experiences is of the Lord, it is God's energy, and in that sense, it's lively, limitless, and supernatural. You know, our efforts sometimes painstaking efforts to make something happen in our own lives, or in the church, or in the, our world, it, it needs to be more, more, it has to be governed by more than just human abilities. Now God certainly uses fallible human instruments like us all the time, but the real engine, if you will, of accomplishment and fruit bearing is the Holy Spirit. So if we try to accomplish um, God's work in our own strength and smarts, we may be able to make some headway. There might be some good results or good uh, responses. We have to go a little ways. But kind of just like the second law of thermodynamics in the physical world, I think there's a thing such as entropy in kingdom work. Um, Eventually, our human strength, and effort peters out, right? Uh, Scriptural stories abound, like the running out of wine uh, at the wedding in Cana, as well as Peter and his partners uh, fishing all night and catching nothing. These reflect the kind of emptiness and exhaustion and depletion when we try to, right, PTAM all by our own power and our will. So human capacities are inadequate to begin with, and they will surely fall short. So if we continue to rely on them, I think bitterness and burnout, those, are our, those certainly lie in our path. So what is needed to do uh, divine work is divine power. Uh, that's what the kingdom of God is, right? It's a divine work. It's not just a good human idea inspired by the Bible. It's not only God acting in his own agency. Um, like I like to talk about a lot it 's you know dual agency it 's God and us, God and us we 're the hands and feet, but he 's the breath he 's the blood he 's the the kinetics that all comes from God, so you know look at Paul when he talks about his engagement with this proclaiming teaching, admonishing, and multiplication right he 's he 's talking about this kind of Hard work, this kind of work that is beyond him, right? Um, The term that he used as labor, actually, um, it's better translated, I think, as toil. So he's like really struggling to do what God has called him to do. Uh, Some commentators say that um, it actually means like getting beat up, like your body gets bruised and battered in the work of toil, right? Maybe some of that labor like back-breaking labor kind of is a way to think about it right and he also uses the term um, for struggling which is tra- which comes from the greek word agonismi which we get the word agony from but it's like a athletic competition word: the the striving the struggling the straining that you see our olympic athletes right um or tony uh exerting when they're ex- <laughs> when they're doing that kind of competition right it, it's Paul's exertion, the drain, the toil, the wear and tear on him. It's not easy stuff, right? It's not leftover stuff. It's not leisurely stuff. Um, what kept him going? Uh, you know, Paul certainly was a, a driven man. He, he was, maybe he was indefatigable infa- naturally. But he attributes his extraordinary energy to more than just good health or personal drive. He says it's God's power, it's spiritual power that is working uh, within him, right? It helps him endure the hardship, carry out the mission, fight through the weariness, right? It was God's spirit which helped him through. So Isaiah 40 says that even youths grow weary and tired, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not be faint. So. Uh, even the strongest young men, right, young, strongest people, they run out of strength. But when the Lord uh, renews us, uh, that, that power, that's what Paul experienced doing the work of God. In chapter 2, he calls it the, re- the power that raised God from the dead. So it's a resurrection power. Not, not, nothing human about that at all. It's purely the, the, sourced from the Spirit of God. And I think that's why Paul lived such a spiritually productive life. He was a workhorse, yes, but he sought and was granted spiritual strength to go above and beyond human abilities and limits. You know, trying hard, trying hard is an important part of the Christian life. Um, I would say it's even a necessary part. You have to try hard. There, there are times when you have to go all out. But it's not sufficient. Trying hard is not enough. We can't manufacture spiritual fruit. We need God's grace. We need God's strength. Right? And I'm wondering if that's why we're so tired all the time. Or maybe you're not like physically tired, but you're just tired of it all, tired of everything. You have like, zero motivation, like, zero morale. We've run out of physical energy, men- mental concentration, even desire. So what we need, I think, is a spiritual a serious helping of spiritual encouragement and mental vigor it's it's different you know the the work of god the, the the divine you know bestowal versus you know your own abilities and uh experience uh coming into play so um the, other, the other one of the days this past week i got to spend 45 minutes at the met museum on 5th ave and uh, i just Decided I would stay in just like three or four rooms because, you know, and usually just like walk really fa- fast through it and stuff. But I decided I would limit myself. And I got to like linger at some Velasquez paintings, right? That painter. And I noticed that he uses a lot of like really dark, like black colors. Um, for the first time, I noticed that. But the nuances and the precision, um, different shades and the depth of like black clothing, for example, this was really mesmerizing. I, looked, I was looking at it for like five, ten minutes. Um, you know the way that he was able to kind of show the differences. You know even though it was it's all very uh, technically black in color. Uh, and, and I was uh, looking at the other paintings as well, and I noticed that um, some of the renderings, the when they were like doing like objects that were what I'm calling synthetic, like something that uh, someone has made, like a chair, or like jewelry, or or even like mm, like a like a fabric or, or something, right? Um, they were real, like even mesh, they were really, um, the, they replicated it really well. It looked so realistic, right, some of those paintings. And then I was thinking, oh, yeah, after all, you know, someone conceptualized, designed, and made that object itself, so maybe it's uh, possible to kind of you know, the draw it or painted or, or, or whatever the, the, the media is. Um but even to my untrained eyes, when I was looking at the facial renderings or hands and feet, body parts, whatever, um it struck me that um I don't know if it was intentional, maybe they just didn't want to like make it realistic, I don't know. But like even like there was not a corresponding mastery of Of you know human faces, right? I mean, it looked like human, but it wasn't as fine or precise. If you if you guys know what I'm trying to say, right? So I came to the untested, unproven conclusion (laughs) that objects that are made by human beings are easier to depict because they often have only like one phase or one appearance. I mean, you can you can adjust it, but you know it's it's inanimate, so it stays that way. So you can kind of do that, but. The human expression, like your frowns right now or your smiles or whatever, I want to say half your face, but it's changing you know every millisecond right and it's, its it's alive basically and and I think that is so hard to kind of put into you know two uh, dimensions, our color, our expressions our what have you they're, they're constantly changing, and even if someone poses for a painting. I can imagine it being so difficult just to get it right. You know? I heard a similar thing about animation. Like, you guys remember the movie Polar Express uh, with Tom Hanks? It was kind of a weird movie. But um, apparently, like, they tried some new computer technology with it, they, something called motion or performance capture technology. So Tom Hanks was acting, and they put a bunch of these like, nodes or probes on his face. So whenever he moved, or they, and then they took that data and they merged it into a three-dimensional, computer-generated world, right? So it looks a little bit better, but some of it's really weird, too, right? If you can watch the movie. So even now, I think they're having trouble. So, like, some of the video games that, that you know, I just see in passing, like, some of it's so realistic, it's, like, amazing, it's, like, you know, so lifelike, but then, and they're getting better on the faces, but still, you can't quite get all of the muscles and all of the skin tones and all that, it, it, it seems to me. It's still beyond the state of the art. So I was going to Draw a comparison to when we work on our human strength, right? When, when we're generated, we're driven by 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 abilities, our natural abilities or gifts. It's kind of like you know um, drawing, uh, like uh, trying to draw a you know a, a man-made object, right? we we can be good at it but it's nothing like what you the, the strength the power you ability that you need to you know the human face right the spirit of the the spirit the, the spirit and the power that god enables us he gives us it's like it, that's the difference between an inanimate object and um the human body right so you know we need that complexity we need that Um, beauty we need that mystery I was thinking Uh, in our spiritual service and our ministry um, much more than just our human power right so yeah let's readily and steadily uh, seek spiritual power to do God's spiritual work right so spiritual fusion energy fusion our second component Uh, it just reminds me The word itself I like the word it reminds me of the reconciling work of Jesus uh, which to me is the key that Paul is investing his ministry towards. The ministry of bringing together, right? Bringing Christ and people, bringing people to people, bringing Christ and the world. You know, we talk about it many ways of sharing life and truth, uh, of fusing, right? And the opposite is separation, separating. I don't know why, but a noticeable chunk of so called Christian ministry and growth. I think somehow ends up in separation. I've talked to this with a few, uh, you know, uh, other pastors. Um, instead of, you know, always bringing people closer together, somehow um, in time people tend to diverge and grow farther apart. And I'm not sure fully if I fully comprehend why. Maybe it's just our egos uh, getting the best, better of us. Right? Success leads to pride and complacency followed by conflict sometimes. Um, Like Paul's success, it seemed to regularly evoke a spirit of jealousy and competition in other ministers or apostles. Um, It's a painful reminder that our sinful natures uh, need to be constantly subdued. Spiritual warfare as well may play a hand in causing relational risk between people. So we should be constantly vigilant uh, against them. But I was thinking that on occasion, uh, sometimes like a pet passion, something that I really believe in, that I really believe is important, um, sometimes it gets in the way of kind of unity and uh, fusion. Like my emphasis uh, or, or my being like so focused on one thing, you know, coupled with others, let's say, uh, corresponding lack of interest, Right. Um, If I feel so important about something, I'm hearing it a lot. Like if you're like, let's say, really focused on racial justice, and the other church member is not. uh, You know, I was just talking to somebody who who moved uh, to a different state, and the church that he's attending, um, he's seeing that really good people, but that's causing this kind of, because you know, some people are so dedicated and devoted to it, right, and others. It's more, you know, secondary or optional, however um, you want to say. And that that can lead to a falling out. But I think one one of the rationales that I've been trying to kind of process and pray through is that even in the very effort of trying to fuse lives and fuse hearts, if it's really working what it happens, I think, is that we uncover, we unearth some ugly things. Right? We find out things about ourselves, about others that aren't too pleasant, aren't too honorable. Right? And sometimes I think we are unable or unwilling, unwilling to kind of power through that, to work through that, to, to figure that out, to reconcile. Um, and so the, in the effort of seeking deep fellowship, Sometimes, sadly, I might add, it creates distance right? between folk instead of compressing, instead of shortening that distance. Yeah, so e- even if those things are some of the challenges, some of the reasons why, I think God's power is intended to be unitive in nature. Right? That's what reconciliation is, Right? Yeah, it's supposed to bring us close to the heart of God. It's supposed to bring us close to um, each other. Paul is rallying the followers of Christ under a common banner. Let's proclaim him. Let's admonish and teach. Let's multiply. And the family of God is supposed to grow, right? It's supposed to include more and more. As we draw closer to that triangle analogy, as we grow closer to Christ, we should be growing closer to each other. Right? And, and if you think about it, the right kind of fusion, I think, it really brings joy and strength. When 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 there's a ceasefire, when warring factions um, unite, well, there is like the people are the happiest. Right? Like the the, the reason that the Olympics, I think, are so um, attractive and, and it has so much passion involved, is because this ideal of you know, nations coming together and, you know, respecting competition and sports, even when there is a lot of conflict and going on, it's so uh, idyllic. When family members that were estranged embrace, right? When conflict is averted, when a wayward brother or sister comes back to the Lord, I mean, these these are the things that I think we remember and it you know, f- continues to feed and fuel our you know, desires, our efforts to continue in PTAM. Right? Using a marriage analogy, I was saying, we should be more like matchmakers. Right? Matchmakers or, or wedding officiants instead of divorce lawyers. Don't help the separation. <laughs> Facilitate the fusion, the bringing together. Bring people together; don't pull them apart. Right? In, in the matrimonial declaration, I've done a few weddings. You, you know, and you guys have gone to them and heard that when you know the, the officiant says, you know, after the vows and the rings, now by the power vested in me, I now pronounce husband and wife. And they quote something from the Gospels: "What God has joined together, let no one separate." And I want to say that in the kingdom of God, in, in the ministry work, right, in, in our spiritual lives, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Right, maybe God wants to separate it, maybe he 's not joined it together, okay, but if it 's clear that he 's joined it together, right, do you know make every effort to maintain the unity of uh, spirit through the bond of peace. I think is how Paul puts it in another way right so that 's where I want to invest my time fusion ministry fusion food, a fusion kind of uh, activity right that, that that the power that brings us. Together, let us labor to this end, even if such a task is difficult, let us struggle with all his energy, even which he makes available to those who will do his bidding, however arduous uh, it may be. Last, energy. Uh, How can we overcome our spiritual lethargy? What will it take to jumpstart our tired hearts, jaded minds, right? Uh, interestingly, in verse 29, Paul uses the same Greek word based on like energy ener- to talk about both like God's energy, right? He says, um, struggling with all the energy which so powerfully works. So when he talks about energy and when he talks about works, uh, it's the same word in Greek, right? So um, we could maybe restate that sentence as, sentence as struggling with all his energy energy which energizes uh, me so powerfully or struggling with all this active working which so powerfully works uh, in me so for our purposes right uh, let's think of those terms somewhat interchangeably god's energy god's working god's activity right? producing powerful effects within me to the impact and betterment of others that's a big topic right activity working energy uh, many angles that we could kind of be taken, but the subdirection that I want to share today was kind of sparked by one of the messages I heard at that pastor's prayer summit uh, a couple weeks ago. It's based on uh, uh, the book of Zechariah. Right? Uh, it was a message about the second temple, which the Jews um, were to rebuild upon return from their exile to Babylon. The reconstructed temple uh, turned out to be a far cry from the magnificent one of the Solomonic age uh, before it was ransacked and raised because of the infidelity of the Israelites to God. In another passage, um, the Israelite elders who remember the first temple, they weep. They're so uh, sad because they see that the second temple does not compare in splendor at all to the first. But in this passage, projected in Zechariah 4.10, God warns the people, right? Who dares despise the day of small things? Since the seven eyes of the Lord that range throughout the earth will rejoice when they see the chosen capstone in the hand of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the leader who rebuilt the temple, right? God says, who dares despise the day of small things? In other words... Small things. God can use small things. Right? The conference speaker pointed out a number of historical examples of previously unknown individuals and seemingly insignificant events and happenings that God used to bring about revival or radical uh, historical metamorphoses. It was a really inspiring message, right? And then now, thinking back on it, um, I think it's uh, it seems apt to apply the term we're using, divine working, divine energy to those persons or activities which God brought about to further his purposes. Indeed, when I read the entire chapter of Zechariah, I found one of my favorite verses nearby. Verse 6. Sorry. that's just say verse 6. Uh, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Right? That's what we've been saying. It's not human strength. It's not human numbers. It's not human uh, um, money, resources, it's really by the Spirit. It really was the work of God energizing Zerubbabel to carry out this far fetched, um, against all odds, you know, they were disliked by their powerful opponents, practically impossible plan to rebuild the temple. God was encouraging Zerubbabel to strive for God, even in or maybe especially through small things. Small things, right? And to experience that divine energy that would powerfully work within uh, this servant, and so I want us to think about our small things, the small things that you did today in prep for worship service, small things that you'll do you did last week and you do this week, right? Sometimes um, in our effort to kind of cast big vision and talk about big picture and all that kind of stuff, which is important. we don't really uh, spend enough time, like pushing ourselves or te- or, or kind of encouraging each other. To be faithful in the small things, right? and that's I think a lot of times that's where the this energy of God, that's what where he's he's working. That's where he's waiting for us, right? But you know we're we're just kind of um, mis misguided or misaligned uh, with that. So I'm just gonna finish with just uh, talking about something uh, in our Bangkok church, right? Uh, Last week, um, I had a chance to converse with Pastor Johnny, um, and, you know, usually when I speak with him, when I talk about Bangkok Chapel, it always kind of helps me out of my spiritual doldrums, and it uh, gives me refreshment, right, to strive after this PTAM once again, and it was no exception. I felt like I ate this hearty bowl of chicken vegetable soup after I, <laughs> after I disconnected with Pastor Johnny, and I was like ready to, yeah, let's go break down some spiritual barriers, and you know some of the stories, a lot of the stories. But in, in recent goings-on, uh, Eunice, sister Eunice, she was contacted by uh, the Mahidan University Pharmacy Department uh, to come and talk to them about her possibly teaching in an international program that they were going to launch in 2023. Right, so she met with a dean and two professors this past Tuesday, and they basically offered her a faculty position. They really wanted her. Right, that's pretty amazing, right? In and of itself. Um, now she probably can't accept a full time position at the university because it would be too time consuming. But it was really cool in my mind that over the years, right, she has been able to build enough of a trust relationship with them to be even considered for something. Uh, she hasn't been pursuing it at all. This was not her goal. She just wanted to build some relationships, but with an eye towards right, possibly doing ministry there. I, I just was struck by um, how this was the result of like many small things, many small acts of integrity and excellence and kindness that Eunice was able to demonstrate over the years, building relationships. right? Um, Mahidong is considered one of the two best, you know, two top universities in all of Thailand. Um, before we felt the Lord leading us to uh, where we're currently ministering, Kimo Tee, Mahidol was a campus we prayed about. Should we, you know, start something there? We've actually done some English in Action uh, kind of segments uh, there. I've, I've been there, there myself. Personally, Eunice has been fostering this connection uh, over a number of years with uh, this professional connection with the faculty. For example, they asked her to come in and evaluate some of the master's students' projects and presentations. And then uh, one time, this is even before the Pians moved to Thailand, Eunice was asked to um, join some of the professors in attending a... U.S., Thailand, uh, pharmacy consortium in Washington, D.C. So she went there, she attended the conference with them, helped them out and all that kind of stuff. And I don't remember this, but Pastor Johnny reminded me that on the way back, their bus broke down. You guys remember this? Good memories. So Pastor Johnny and Matt Chin, they had to drive down personal passenger cars, pick up everybody rescue them, (laughs) and then drive them all the way back to all their various locations, right? So... This is like uh, Uber before Uber, right? Uh, yeah. Thank you, Pastor Johnny and Matt, for that service. Yeah, well, all these things, I think, bear fruit, right, in God's time. I love Tony's insight today about if they had just waited a little bit longer, they could have not only avoided idolatry, but really experienced, you know, God's blessing. Yeah, God has energized these small things to open up possibilities, I believe, for future Ministry, and it's not limited to Mahidan, right? You know, my favorite story is always about Neo, Brother Neo, who um, uh, he's the former owner of the Finn restaurant that was like steps from the campus at Kemuti. And we used to hold worship service there, right? So we met Neo through missionary Johnny McLean, uh, who hosted us for our first STMT to Thailand. Uh, Neo was a trained architect who started a small restaurant. And he's a faithful Christian. He, his wife, his, his parents, they've been long-term faithful members at their church. But he wanted the gospel shared at k And When he heard about our v- vision and what we felt the Lord called us to do, he allowed us to use his restaurant space. It was closed on Sundays for our Sunday worship. And we did that for several years. Eventually, had to sell the business. But it was like a, a great do- foot in the door, right, uh, of, of, of the, the campus there. Um, and then recently when we uh, looked into rent- renting and renovating a space for our own facility near k uh, we asked Neil, because he's an architect, if he would advise us, right? Um, just kind of to point us in the right direction, but because of the strong relationship that we've built up, you know, Neil like, was so excited, he basically right, helped us out big time. He kinda of served as the architect for the renovations, he handled all the communications, he helped us hire the contractors, right? He dealt with all of the huge myriad problems that, that those things kinda of entail. Right? Patrani keeps saying how impossible it would have been for him, you know, even though he's getting good at Thai to articulate, right, all the technical contractor terms in Thai, let alone having to navigate the Thai like construction industry, like you guys, you, you, you and I couldn't do like, construction in America because we don't understand how all that works. Imagine Pastor Johnny trying to do that in, in Thai, right? So what a godsend. Neo has been in more ways than one. And I'm, I'm convinced that this came about because of small things, right? Because we're not, Pastor Johnny and Eunice have not despised small things. They've been faithful to it. You know, God's in the earthquake, he's in the wind, he's in the fire, but he's also in the still small voice, right? Doing things that no one notices, doing them faithfully, doing them through God's bestowed energy, waiting for him to bear fruit uh, in his time, in his way. Right? So, uh, spiritual fusion energy. Apparently it's not only the, the purview of, like, powerful, like, educated and brilliant scientists and PhDs, right? Right? Uh, there's a term called fusion-ears, fusion-ears, okay? And it's for amateur science junkies who are building homemade fusion reactors for fun and with an eye to being part of the solution to the energy production problem. There's a guy in Brooklyn, uh, according to the 2010 article, he's the 38th known independent amateur physicist in the world to achieve nuclear fusion from a homemade reactor. Right. Others on that list include a 15-year-old from Michigan and a doctoral student in Ohio. So apparently fusion reactors of this kind are perfectly legal and perfectly safe. <laughs> doesn't sound like it, but his neighbors don't believe that, but uh, it's considered quite safe. But I just like that idea that uh, just uh, a no-name, just, you know, it's a small thing, right? But, but he, that person is involved, he's engaged, and you know, we can do that, right? we should do that spiritual fusion years experiencing the energy of God let's pray Heavenly Father uh, maybe right now maybe this day we are not we don't we need we don't have that energy that uh, that thrives that Paul is thriving on but hopefully we understood where where it comes from what it's like uh, where you might provide it uh, to us what it's supposed to do bring us together well um, there's uh, so many reasons why, so many obstacles, there's so many things pulling us um, uh, in different directions. There's inertia as well, but uh, today I hope that indeed um, that energy will fill us, that spirit will move us, uh, help each one of us and all of us to uh, submit to uh, your calling us and uh, your, your guiding us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.